0: Section 19c Installation Security Operations Security Operations Security Defined Operations Security is a process of identifying, analyzing, and controlling critical information indicating friendly actions associated with military operations and other activities to identify those actions that can be observed by adversary intelligence systems. Determine what specific indications could be collected, analyzed, and interpreted to derive critical information in time to be useful to adversaries. Select and execute measures that eliminate or reduce to an acceptable level the vulnerabilities of friendly actions to adversary exploitation, Operation security is closely integrated and synchronized with other influence operations capabilities to protect operations and is not a collection of specific rules and instructions that can be applied to every operation. Purpose The purpose of operation security is to reduce the vulnerability of Air Force missions by eliminating or reducing successful adversary collection and exploitation of critical information. Operation security applies to all activities that prepare, sustain, or employ forces during all phases of operations. Operational Context Operational effectiveness is enhanced when commanders and other decision-makers apply operation security from the earliest stages of planning. Operation security involves a series of analyses to examine the planning, preparation, execution, and post-execution phases of any operation or activity across the entire spectrum of military action and in any operational environment. Operation security analysis provides decision-makers with a means of weighing the risk to their operations. Decision makers must determine the amount of risk they are willing to accept in particular operational circumstances in the same way as operations risk management allows commanders to assess risk in mission planning. Signature management methodology defined. Signature management is the active defense or exploitation of operational profiles resident at a given military installation. Defensive operational profiles is accomplished by implementing protective signature management measures to deny adversary collection of critical information. Base profiling is a process within signature management that identifies the local operating environment and captures process points that present key signatures and profiles with critical information value. This process is the deliberate effort to identify functional areas and the observables they produce to contribute to the overall signature of day-to-day activities and operational trends. Implementing Operation Security Air Force forces can be under observation at their peacetime bases and locations, in training or exercises, while moving or when deployed to the field conducting actual operations. Operation security methodology provides systematic and comprehensive analysis designed to identify observable friendly actions that could reveal intentions or capabilities. Air Force units utilize the base profiling process to identify vulnerabilities and indicators of their day-to-day activities. With this understanding, Air Force Operation Security Program Managers use the signature management methodology to apply measures and or countermeasures to hide, control, or simulate indicators. Therefore, Operation Security Principles must be integrated into operational, support, exercise, and acquisition planning. Operation security is incorporated into day-to-day activities to ensure a seamless transition to contingency operations. The operation security process consists of five distinct steps. Identify critical information, analyze threats, analyze vulnerabilities, assess risk, apply appropriate operation security countermeasures. Operation Security Indicators Operation security indicators are friendly, detectable actions and open-source information that can be interpreted or pieced together by an adversary to derive critical information. The five basic characteristics of operation security indicators that make them potentially valuable to an adversary include Signatures – this characteristic of an indicator is identifiable or to stand out. Associations, the relationship of an indicator to other information or activities. Profiles, each functional activity generates their own set of more or less unique signatures and associations. The sum of these signatures and associations is the activity's profile. Contrasts, any difference observed between an activity standard profile and most recent or current actions. Exposure, refers to when and for how long an indicator is observed. The longer an indicator is observed, the better chance an adversary can observe the indicator and form associations and or update the profile of operational activities. Information security. All personnel in the Air Force are responsible for protecting classified information and controlled unclassified information under their custody and control. Classified information. Information shall be classified only to protect national security. There are three levels of classification. Top secret, secret, and confidential. Information may only be classified by either original classification or derivative classification. Each individual is responsible for providing the proper safeguards for classified information, reporting security incidents, and understand the sanctions for noncompliance. Top secret. Top secret shall be applied to information, the unauthorized disclosure of which reasonably could be expected to cause exceptionally grave damage to the national security that the original classification authority is able to identify or describe. Secret Secret shall be applied to information the unauthorized disclosure of which reasonably could be expected to cause serious damage to the national security that the original classification authority is able to identify or describe. Confidential. Confidential shall be applied to information the unauthorized disclosure of which reasonably could be expected to cause damage to the national security that the original classification authority is able to identify or describe. Original classification. Original classification is the initial decision by an original classification authority that an item of information could reasonably be expected to cause identifiable or describable damage to the national security subjected to unauthorized disclosure and requires protection in the interest of national security. Only officials designated in writing may make original classification decisions. Derivative classification. Air Force policy is to identify, classify, downgrade, declassify, mark, protect, and destroy classified information consistent with national policy. Controlled, unclassified information will also be protected per National Policy, DODM 5200.01, Volumes 1 and 4, Department of Defense Information Security Program, Overview, Classification and Declassification, February 24, 2012, and DODM 5200.01, volume 2 and 3, Department of Defense Information Security Program, February 24, 2012, Incorporating Change to March 19, 2013, Department of Defense Information Security Program and AFI 16-1404, Air Force Information Security Program, provide the guidance for managing classified information and controlled unclassified information. Within the Department of Defense, all cleared personnel are authorized to derivatively classify information, provided they have received initial training before making derivative classification decisions and refresher at least once every two years. Derivative classification is the incorporating, paraphrasing, restating, or generating classified information in a new form or document and is not photocopying or otherwise mechanically or electronically reproducing classified material. Derivative classifiers must use authorized types of sources for making decisions. One of the most important responsibilities of derivative classifier is to observe and respect the classification determinations made by an original classification authority. Marking classified information All classified information shall be clearly identified by marking, designation, or electronic labeling in accordance with DODM 5200.01, Volume 2, Department of Defense Information Security Program, Marking of Classified Information. Markings are used to alert holders to the presence of classified information, identify as specifically as possible the exact information needing protection, Indicate the level of classification assigned to the information. Provide guidance on downgrading, if any, and declassification. Give information on the sources of and reasons for classification. Notify holders of special access, control, or safeguarding requirements. Promote information sharing, facilitate judicious use of resources, and simplify management through implementation of uniform and standardized processes. Specific Markings on Documents Every classified document must be marked to show the highest classification of information contained within the document. The markings must be conspicuous enough to alert anyone handling the document that the document is classified. Every document will contain the overall classification of the document, portion markings indicating the classification level of specific classified information within the document, the originating office, date of origin, and downgrading instructions, if any, and declassification instructions. The three most common markings on a classified document are the banner lines, portion markings, and the classification authority block. Banner lines are conspicuously placed at the top and bottom of the outside of the front cover, if any, title page, if any, first page, and on the outside of the back cover, if any, or last page of each classified document. These markings are usually centered on the page. Examples of banner markings in DODM 5200.01, Volume Two, DOD Information Security Program, Marking of Classified Information for an Illustration. Portion Marks. Every subject, title, paragraph, section, tab, attachment, classified signature block, bullets, tables, and pictures in every classified document shall be marked to show the highest level of classification contained within the document. Use these symbols in uppercase letters to indicate the highest classification level in the portion. TS for top secret, S for secret, and C for confidential. Examples of portion markings in DODM 5200.01 Volume 2, Department of Defense Information Security Program, Marking of Classified Information, for illustration. Classification Authority Block. This block appears on the face of each classified United States document unless otherwise stated in DODM 5200.01, Volumes 1 to 4. There are two types of classification authority blocks. One is used by an original classifier and the other by a derivative classifier. Original Classification Authority block will contain A. Classified by, name of classifier, reason, downgrade to, if any, and declassify on line. Refer to DODM 5200.01, Volume 2, Department of Defense Information Security Program, Marking of Classified Information, for an illustration of an originally classified document. Derivative Classification Authority block will contain a classified by name of classifier, derived from, identify sources, downgrade to, if any, and declassify on lines. Refer to DODM 5200.01, Volume 2, Department of Defense Information Security Program, Marking of Classified Information, for an illustration of a derivatively classified document. Challenges. Personnel should submit challenges of classification to their security manager or the classifier of the information if substantial reason exists to indicate the document has been classified improperly or unnecessarily. Safeguarding. Everyone who works with classified information is personally responsible for taking proper precautions to ensure that unauthorized persons do not gain access to classified information. There are two primary types of protection that must be employed at all times. One, store the information using approved means, or two, having it under the personal observation and control of an authorized individual. Access to classified information. Before granting access to classified information, the person must have one, security clearance eligibility, 2. A signed Standard Form 312, Classified Information Non Disclosure Agreement, and 3. A Need to Know. The individual's responsibility with authorized possession, knowledge, or control of the information is to determine whether the person receiving the information has been granted the appropriate security clearance access by proper authority. Protection when under personal observation or control. An authorized person shall keep classified material removed from storage under constant surveillance. The authorized person must place cover sheets on classified documents not in secure storage to prevent unauthorized persons from viewing the information. The following forms will be used to cover classified information outside of storage. Standard Form 703, Top Secret, Standard Form 704, Secret, and Standard Form 705, Confidential. End-of-Day Security Checks Use Standard Form 701, Activity Security Checklist, to record the end-of-day security check if you are appointed to conduct the check. This form is required for any area where classified information is used or stored. Ensure all vaults, secure rooms, and containers used for storing classified material are checked. Security Incidents Involving Classified Information Anyone finding classified material out of proper control must take custody of and safeguard the material and immediately notify his or her commander, supervisor, or security manager. The terms associated with security incidents are formally defined DODM 5200.01, Volume 3. The following general characterizations are provided. Infraction An infraction is a security incident involving failure to comply with requirements, which cannot reasonably be expected to, and does not, result in the loss, suspected compromise, or compromise of classified information. An infraction may be unintentional or inadvertent and does not constitute a security violation. If left uncorrected, it can lead to security violations or compromises. Infraction requires an inquiry to facilitate immediate corrective action, but does not require an in-depth investigation. Violations Violations are security incidents that indicate knowing, willful, and negligent for security regulations, and result in, or could be expected to result in, the loss or compromise of classified information. Security violations require an inquiry and or investigation. Compromise A compromise is a security incident, more specifically a violation, in which there is an unauthorized disclosure of classified information, such as disclosure to a person or persons who does not have a valid clearance, authorized access, or a need to know. Loss A loss occurs when classified information cannot be physically located or accounted for such as classified information or equipment is discovered missing during an audit and cannot be immediately located. Data spills Classified data spills occur when classified data is introduced either onto an unclassified information system or to an information system with a lower level of classification or to a system not accredited to process data of that restrictive category. Information appearing in the public media If classified information appears in the public media, including on public Internet sites, or if approached by a representative of the media, personnel shall be careful not to make any statement or comment that confirms the accuracy of or verifies the information requiring protection. Immediately report the matter to your supervisor, security manager, or commander, but do not discuss with anyone who does not, in the case of classified information, have an appropriate security clearance and need to know. Controlled Unclassified Information In addition to classified information, certain types of unclassified information also require application of access and distribution controls and protective measures for a variety of reasons. Such information is referred to collectively as Controlled Unclassified Information. Requirements, controls, and protective measures developed for Department of Defense Controlled Unclassified Information, i.e. for official use only, law enforcement sensitive, Department of Defense Unclassified Controlled Nuclear Information, and limited distribution, as well as some of those developed by other executive branch agencies, are found in DODM 5200.01, Volume 4. The originator of a document is responsible for determining at origination whether the information may qualify for controlled unclassified information status. Before provided to the public, all Department of Defense unclassified information must be reviewed and approved for release. For official use only information. For official use only information is the most commonly used controlled and unclassified information category in the Air Force and Department of Defense. For official use only information is a dissemination control applied by the Department of Defense to unclassified information when disclosure to the public of that particular record or portion thereof would reasonably be expected to cause a foreseeable harm to an interest protected by one or more of the Freedom of Information Act exemptions 2 through 9. Refer to DODM 5200.01, Volume 4, Department of Defense Information Security Program controlled unclassified information for additional information on Freedom of Information Act exemptions. Marking for official use only information. Information that has been determined to qualify for official use only status shall be indicated by markings. Each document will identify the originating office to allow someone receiving the document to contact the office if questions or problems about the designation or markings arise. For official use only or unclassified forward slash forward slash for official use only will be marked at the bottom of the outside of the front cover if there is one, the title page, the first page, and the outside of the back cover if there is one. Internal pages shall be marked for official use only. If internal pages contain unclassified for official use only or unclassified for official use only information, the markings must appear at both the top and bottom. Subjects, titles, and each section, part, paragraph, or similar port shall be marked using the parenthetical notation for official use only or U double forward slash for official use only if it contains for-official-use-only information. Access to for-official-use-only. No person may have access to information designated as for-official-use-only information unless they have a valid need for access in connection with the accomplishment of a lawful and authorized government purpose. The final responsibility for determining whether an individual has a valid need for access to information designated for official-use-only status Rest with the individual who has authorized possession, knowledge, or control of the information. Protection of, for official use only. During work hours, reasonable steps shall be taken to minimize the risk of access by unauthorized personnel, i.e. not leaving for official use only status information unattended where unauthorized personnel are present. After working hours, store the information in unlocked containers, desks, or cabinets, if the building is provided security by the government or government contract personnel. If building security is not provided or deemed inadequate, store the information in locked desks, file cabinets, bookcases, or locked rooms. Personnel Security. The Personnel Security Program entails policies and procedures that ensure military, civilian, and contractor personnel who access classified information or occupy a sensitive position are consistent with interests of national security. It involves the investigation process, adjudication for eligibility, and the continuous evaluation for maintaining eligibility. Commanders and supervisors must continually observe and evaluate their subordinates with respect to these criteria, and immediately report any unfavorable conduct or conditions that come to their attention that might bear on the subordinate's trustworthiness and eligibility to occupy a sensitive position or have eligibility to classified information. The Department of Defense Central Adjudication Facility is the designated adjudicative authority to grant, deny, and revoke security clearance eligibility. Eligibility is adjudicated using the Department of Defense 13 adjudicative guidelines while applying the whole person concept and mitigating factors. Individuals are granted due process and may appeal if the security clearance eligibility is denied or revoked. Refer to the AFI 31-501, Personnel Security Program Management for details. The Department of Defense 13 adjudicative guidelines include the following topic areas. Allegiance to the United States, foreign influence, foreign preference, sexual behavior, personal conduct, financial considerations, alcohol consumption, drug involvement, psychological conditions, criminal conduct, handling protected information, outside activities, use of information technology. All personnel with clearance eligibility are subject to continuous evaluation. This requires reporting post-investigation information that falls within the Department of Defense 13 Adjudicative Guidelines to the Security Manager. The commander will report all continuous evaluation information related to the 13 adjudicative guidelines to the Department of Defense Central Adjudication Facility via the security manager. Industrial Security Policy Air Force policy is to identify in classified contracts specific government information and sensitive resources that must be protected against compromise or loss while entrusted to industry. AFI 31-601, Industrial Security Program Management, assigns functional responsibilities and establishes a system of review that identifies outdated, inappropriate, and unnecessary contractual security requirements. Policy also outlines and provides guidance for establishing on-base integrated contractor visitor groups. Scope The security policies, requirements, and procedures identified in AFI 31-601 are applicable to Air Force personnel and on-base Department of Defense contractors performing services under the terms of a properly executed contract and associated security agreement or similar document, as determined appropriate by the installation commander. Integrated Defense Program The Air Force Integrated Defense Program is the integration of multidisciplinary active and passive, offensive and defensive capabilities employed to mitigate potential risks and defeat adversary threats to Air Force operations within the base boundary and base security zone. These threats include, but are not limited to, terrorists, insiders, criminals, and foreign intelligence and security services. To integrate integrated defense efforts with other Air Force capabilities to achieve synergistic effects using an all hazards approach is critical. Potential hazards to an installation include, but are not limited to, chemical, biological, radiological, nuclear, high yield explosive attacks, natural and man made disasters, major accidents, and accidental or deliberate release of hazardous materials, toxic industrial materials, or chemicals. C A F 31-1, Integrated Defense. Integrated defense is a fundamental battle competency for all airmen, whether garrison or deployed. The teaming of integrated defense forces creates a united, seamless defense stronger than the defensive efforts of individuals and or individual units. This effort ensures all airmen are trained to defend themselves and integrate into defense operations while in garrison or deployed. Installation commanders determine the effects required of integrated defense operations at Air Force installations based on a four-step process that involves Determining and prioritizing the criticality of installation assets Analyzing the threats and operating environment Assessing the installation's vulnerabilities to the threats Making prudent integrated defense decisions based on the risk estimate The Integrated Defense Risk Management process is critical in order for the installation commander to make the best use of limited resources and personnel available to execute the Integrated Defense mission. Integrated Defense is an all-airmen program. However, Air Force Security Forces have enterprise lead in Integrated Defense operations. The Defense Force Commander synchronizes integrated defense operations with emergency and consequence management activities articulated in applicable Air Force and Department of Defense publications. The goal of integrated defense is to neutralize security threats within the base boundary and the base security zone in order to ensure unhindered Air Force operations. Through integrated defense, commanders must 1. minimize mission degradation from threat activity within the base boundary and coordinate necessary security operation support within the base security zone when the base security zone is not congruent with the base boundary, 2. minimize loss of life and injury from threat activity, and 3. protect government property and personnel from hostile and criminal acts. Integrated defense does not stand alone to protect personnel and resources. Planners create an effective security program by coordinating with other Department of Defense and Air Force programs. Furthermore, the protection and defense of air bases requires the coordinated effort of emergency management, anti-terrorism, and other mission support function forces under the mission assurance umbrella. This coordinated planning provides a seamless progression of mission assurance programs and completes the installation's defense in depth picture. Joint publications define the base boundary as a line that delineates the surface area of a base for the purpose of facilitating coordination and deconfliction of operations between adjacent units, formations, or areas. See figure 19.1 for an example of a base boundary configuration. Therefore, the base boundary is not necessarily the base perimeter. Rather, the base boundary should be established based upon the factors of mission, enemy, terrain and weather, troops and support available, time available, civil considerations, specifically balancing the need of the base defense forces to control key terrain with their ability to accomplish the mission. These measures decrease the likelihood of fratricide, prevent non-combatant casualties, and minimize damage to the property of friendly civilians. Boundaries may not necessarily coincide with the fenced perimeter, property lines, or legal boundaries. Nevertheless, while tactical considerations will ideally determine integrated defense boundaries, the defense force commander will strictly adhere to legal, jurisdictional, host-nation constraints, commander's intent, and higher echelon orders and directives when conducting operations within the base boundary. The base security zone is an Air Force unique concept and term to be used intra-service only. The Air Force uses the planning term base security zone to describe the area of concern around an airbase and to support the establishment and adjustment of the base boundary. The base security zone is the area outside the base perimeter from which the base may be vulnerable from standoff threats, for example, mortars, rockets, manned portable aerial defense systems. The installation commander should identify the base security zone and coordinate via the operational chain of command with local, state, federal agencies within the continental United States or host nation or area commander outside the continental United States for the base security zone to be identified as the base boundary. If the base boundary does not include all of the base security zone terrain, the installation commander is still responsible for either mitigating, through coordination with local, state, or federal agencies, continental United States, or the area commander or host nation, outside the continental United States, or accepting the risks of enemy attack from the terrain outside the base boundary. The base security zone, in the simplest terms, is the area from which a threat can launch an attack against base personnel and resources or aircraft approaching or departing the base. Air-minded forces must consider the base security zone for planning constructs continental United States, outside the continental United States, and at contingency locations. Threats vary in the integrated defense continuum from peacetime to wartime, regardless of the location of our installations. Optimally, the base security zone and the base boundary are the same, but that is not always the case. The base security zone may, for planning purposes, incorporate more geographical area than the base boundary. For example, there may be key terrain outside the base boundary from which adversaries can impact air operations. For terrain outside the base boundary but within the base security zone, the Defense Force commander should coordinate with local, state, federal agencies, continental United States, or host nation or area commander, outside the continental United States, to conduct base defense tasks within the area. If these forces or agencies are not available due to competing requirements, then the defense force commander should coordinate via their operational chain of command with the appropriate area commander to conduct the base defense task. When defense forces operate outside the base boundary, the appropriate area of operations commander should exercise tactical control over those forces for base defense purposes only. Joint and coalition forces entering the base boundary should inform the Base Defense Operations Center before they enter and monitor the Base Defense Operations Center's communication net while operating in the area. The Base Defense Operations Center is the command and control center for integrated defense operations during routine and emergency operations. The Defense Force Commander will establish a base defense operations center to coordinate and direct, via their operational chain of command, the tactical control of integrated defense forces and supporting capabilities. All functions performed by Central Security Control, the Law Enforcement Desk, or other security forces control centers will be performed by the base defense operations center at all locations, home station, and deployed. Integrated Defense Effects Commanders execute integrated defense with the objective of achieving nine desired effects based on the risk management process described in paragraph 19.12. Those effects are anticipate. Anticipate threat intentions and actions, intelligence preparation of the operational environment or crime trend analysis. Deter. Deter threat activity through active community policing, such as Eagle Eyes program, boundary and internal circulation control, controlled area marking, prudent physical security measures. Detect. Detect threats through the use of lighting, intrusion detection systems or early warning systems, closed circuit television, etc. Assess. Assess to identify friend or foe using cameras, posted sentries, response forces, integrated delivery system, etc. Warn. Warn friendly forces of adversary activity through systems such as mass notification, radio, public address, commander's access channels, voice, hand and arm signal, cellular telephones, instant messenger or short message system texting, etc. Defeat Defeat threats through appropriate progressive force application, coordinated security force response, and integration of total force. Delay Delay adversaries using a layered application of barriers, obstacles, technology, physical security measures, and forces, defense in depth. Defend. Defend assets through threat and effects-based planning that integrates all friendly forces into a single, comprehensive plan by ensuring friendly forces are trained and qualified on arming and use of force. Also, ensure the fighting positions are positioned where prudent based on risk analyses. Recover. Recover from adversarial events by applying effective command and control and developing and exercising Comprehensive Emergency Management Plan 10-2. These effects are not randomly applied to an installation. Instead, they are deliberately achieved through innovative and reliable tactics, techniques, and procedures based on the integrated defense risk management process and analysis. Ideally, defense forces receive such good intelligence they are able to anticipate any and all threats. As this is unlikely, attaining subsequent integrated defense desired effects is necessary. For instance, it would be preferred to deter a threat, but if that does not succeed, the next ideal effect would be to detect the threat. Once the threat is detected, assessment by forces occurs. Friendly forces are then warned of the threat and attempts are made to defeat or eliminate the threat. If the threat cannot be defeated, it must be delayed. If not possible, defensive measures must be taken to mitigate the effects of the threat. Recovery actions are then implemented to consolidate and reorganize friendly forces and restore operations. The intelligence fusion cell is an action group whereby the security forces staff S2, intelligence function, coordinates with subject matter experts from the Intelligence and Air Force Office of Special Investigations Communities to collaborate and conduct intelligence preparation of the operational environment. The goal is to leverage information and intelligence to support the timely identification of indicators and warnings of emerging localized threats. The intelligence fusion cell and the products of the fusion cells are the primary information sources that directly support the Defense Force commander in making immediate, proactive decisions for integrated defense planning. Intelligence preparation of the battlefield or battle space is an analytical methodology that provides predictive intelligence to warfighters for use in planning and executing operations. A systematic, four-step process, intelligence preparation of the battlefield or battlespace's bottom-line intent, is to support operational decisions by providing analyzed information regarding the threats and environment in a given set of circumstances. Intelligence preparation of the battlefield or battle space is the primary mechanism used to achieve the integrated defense desired effect of anticipate. Furthermore, this analytical methodology is a continuous process, enabling the commander to visualize, one, the spectrum of friendly and adversarial capabilities and weakness, two, how they are affected by a variety of environmental factors, for example, three, weather, light, terrain, political and social conditions, and four, the logical predictions of the most likely and most dangerous enemy course of action. Intelligence preparation of the battlefield or battlespace is a continuous four-part process. 1. Defines the operating environment. 2. Describes the operating environment's effects. 3. Evaluates the enemy. And 4. Determines enemy course of action. The examples below should be collected, analyzed, and applied to the tactical situation as a minimum. Part 1. This part is comprised of comprehensive lists, dispositions, and capabilities, offensive and defensive, of tasked friendly forces and other forces, for example, host nation military and police forces, local, state, national agencies in the continental United States, and host nations outside the continental United States that contribute to the security of the installation and are available to contribute during enemy surges, for example, increased force protection conditions, terrain and weather, including light data, and background data on the operating environment to include history, demographics, socioeconomic data, religious groups, etc. Incident and emergency response plans should also be identified in Part 1 for later consideration during wargaming conducted during intelligence preparation of the battlespace, Part 4. Part 2. Analyze the data collected in Part 1 and describe how the factors affect operations, equipment, and personnel. Whenever possible, use color-coded stoplight charts that use green, yellow, and red coding to describe aspects of operations or effects on personnel and equipment. For example, use mission-capable, green, partially mission-capable, yellow, or non-mission-capable, red. Part 3 Collect historical data and existing intelligence analyses, for example, Defense Intelligence Agency country reports or Air Force Office of Special Investigation's Defense Threat Assessments of the Operating Environment, or other reports about adversaries capable of operating in the geographic area of concern. Consider the capabilities and weaknesses of each specific group without assuming that all enemy forces collaborate. Consider and analyze the effects of the operating environment, gathered in Part 1 and analyzed in Part 2, on each individual adversary. Part Four. Consider all data collected in the previous three parts and make logical predictions of enemy course of actions. For each adversary assessed to be present and capable, establish a prediction of the most likely and most dangerous enemy course of actions. Then, through a process of wargaming, establish friendly courses of action that would effectively meet the commander's intent in defeating the predicted enemy course of actions. INTEGRATED DEFENSE RISK MANAGEMENT PROCESS The integrated defense risk management process provides installation commanders, integrated defense working groups, defense force commanders, and defense planners the ability to produce effects-based integrated defense plans by using a standardized model to identify risks and develop risk management strategies. These strategies leverage finite resources against adaptive threats to protect Air Force resources and personnel. The integrated defense risk management process identifies at-risk assets and aids the integrated defense working groups in generating the criticality assessment and the risk assessment products. A risk reduction decision based on a clear understanding of what is important, the estimated threat, and how the asset might be damaged or destroyed, is then developed through a logical process involving asset criticality assessment, threat assessment, and vulnerability assessment. The Integrated Defense Risk Management Process analyzes an installation's defense capabilities and provides options to mitigate security risks, such as additional tactics, techniques, and procedures, facility hardening, technology insertion, etc. The Integrated Defense Risk Management Process has four main components 1. The Risk Assessment, as described above, 2. The Risk Tolerance Decision, 3. Courses of Action Determination, and 4. Decision and Implementation. All four components are directly influenced by the evolving situation monitored through the intelligence preparation of the battlespace cycle. As such, new information, assessments, or decisions can be assimilated into the integrated defense risk management process at any point, which may alter the execution of integrated defense. These four components are performed in the following seven steps. Step 1. Develop the criticality assessment. The criticality assessment identifies assets worthy of protection whose loss or damage would have a negative impact on the mission. Fundamental to this evaluation is the criteria used to measure asset value or consequence of loss. Typical criteria include mission criticality, impact on national defense, replaceability, monetary value, and relative or intrinsic value. Step 2 and Step 3. Develop the Threat Assessment and Vulnerability Assessment. Threat multiplied by vulnerability determines the probability of loss or damage of the asset. Threats are generally considered in terms of adversaries and their tactics, for example, hackers, terrorists, criminals, protesters. To know if adversaries pose a threat requires information about their operational capability, intentions, activity, operating environment, and history. Vulnerabilities are weaknesses that can be exploited by an adversary because of inadequate security, lax or complacent personnel trends, vulnerable software or hardware, and insufficient security policies or procedures. Note. Identification and evaluation of existing threats and vulnerabilities are identified during Parts 1 through 3 of the intelligence preparation of the operational environment process and may be supplemented with other documents, such as anti-terrorism vulnerability assessments. Step 4. Develop the risk assessment. Once all previous assessments, criticality, threat, and vulnerability are completed and studied together to provide a complete picture of the risks to an asset, the risk assessment can be developed. A quantitative measurement of risk can be determined using the following equation. Risk equals asset criticality multiplied by threat multiplied by vulnerability. Step 5. Risk Tolerance Decision At this point in the integrated defense risk management process, the commander may have enough data to enable an informed risk tolerance decision. But if information required to assess risks is deficient, a command-critical intelligence requirement should be developed or modified to guide the intelligence community's collection efforts. In today's resource-constrained environment, some risks must be accepted. However, some risks cannot be tolerated due to their frequency or severity of consequence. The installation commander's intent for integrated defense will define the level of tolerance. For risks exceeding the commander's tolerance level, countermeasures will be developed in the next step to render these risks more acceptable. Step 6. Present countermeasure courses of action. This step presents and evaluates options for reducing risks. While risks can be alleviated by reducing the asset's criticality or mitigating the threat, eliminating vulnerabilities is the area that can have the most impact on the installation commander's risk tolerance decision. At this time, the Integrated Defense Working Group can develop various countermeasure courses of action to remove or mitigate vulnerabilities and reduce unacceptable risks. An estimate of risk reduction, i.e., benefit of risk reduction, can be prepared, along with showing the costs associated with courses of action implementation. Step 7. Decision and Implementation This is the most important step in the Integrated Defense Risk Management process. During this step, the installation commander selects the course of actions that will bring the risks within his or her tolerance level and directs resources to implement the decision. Closely tied with Step 7 is Continuous Assessment. This feedback loop posits that risk management is not an event or tangible product, but rather a continuous cycle. The implementation of countermeasure courses of action will sometimes change the installation's risk posture in unexpected or unintended ways. By immediately identifying changes to the installation's critical assets, threats, and vulnerabilities, decision-makers can continually refine the installation's risk posture. Integrated defense provides flexible planning and execution opportunities that allow owners or users of Protection Level 1, PL1, non-nuclear Protection Level 2, PL2, Protection Level 3, PL3, and Protection Level 4, PL4, assets to become actively involved in the defense of their areas. The integrated defense risk management process provides a more precise understanding of how the three risk factors of threat, vulnerability, and asset criticality relate to each other at each installation. Understanding the relationships between these factors, as well as continually analyzing the operating environment, assists commanders in mitigating, accepting, and reducing risks to appropriate levels. Operationalize Force Protection Intelligence in order to maintain optimal situational awareness throughout the base boundary and base security zone. This can be accomplished for the Defense Force commanders through the development of a robust intelligence or information collaboration, analysis, and fusion capability. Security Protection Levels Protection Level 1 or PL1 PL-1 is assigned to those resources for which the loss, theft, destruction, misuse, or compromise would result in unacceptable mission degradation to the strategic capability of the United States or catastrophic consequences for the nation. Examples of PL-1 resources are nuclear weapons and storage mated to a delivery system, or in transit, designated command, control, and communications facilities, and aircraft designated to transport the President of the United States. PL1 security must result in the greatest possible deterrence against hostile acts. This level of security will provide maximum means to detect and defeat a hostile force before it is able to seize, damage, or destroy resources. Protection Level 2, or PL2 PL-2 is assigned to resources for which the loss, theft, destruction, misuse, or compromise would result in significant mission degradation to the warfighting capability of the United States. Examples of PL-2 resources are non-nuclear alert forces, designated space and launch systems, expensive, few in number, or one-of-a-kind systems or facilities, and intelligence-gathering systems. PL-2 security must result in significant deterrence against hostile acts. This level of security will ensure a significant probability of detecting and defeating a hostile force before PL-2 is able to seize, damage, or destroy resources. Protection Level 3 or PL-3 PL-3 is assigned to resources for which the loss, theft, destruction, misuse, or compromise would result in mission degradation to the United States' warfighting capability. Examples of PL-3 resources are non-alert resources that can be generated to alert status, such as F-16 fighters, selected command, control, and communications facilities, systems and equipment, and non-launch-critical or non-unique space launch systems. PL-3 security must result in a reasonable degree of deterrence against hostile acts. This level of security ensures the capability to impede a hostile force and limit damage to resources. Protection Level 4 or PL-4. PL-4 is assigned to operational or mission support resources that directly or indirectly support power projection assess and the warfighting mission for which the loss, theft, destruction, misuse or compromise would adversely affect mission capability. Examples of PL-4 resources are facilities storing Category 1, 2, or 3 sensitive conventional arms, ammunition, and explosives, fuels and liquid oxygen storage areas, and Air Force accounting and finance vault areas. PL-4 resources are secured by containing them in controlled areas, with owners and users being responsible for security. Security forces provide response to threats. This level of security must reduce the opportunity for theft of or damage to resources.